0: Welcome back
1: to another episode of Two Guys, One Topic. I'm Liam. And I'm Ollie. And for those of you that don't know, or for any new listeners, each episode we take a topic that we know very little about, and then we give ourselves a week to read and research all about it. The idea being that we do the hard work, and then we share what we feel is the most important piece of information with you, the listeners.
0: And... To all of our listeners who do listen all the time, you will know. But if you don't, we're not experts in anything that we talk about on this pod. This is just a summary of our findings. Um, But hopefully, by sharing some knowledge with you, we can all learn just a little bit more about a
1: whole lot of things, can't we? Sounds good to me. Right then, let's get on with this week's topic, which is... Cheese!
0: All right, Ollie. So... When we say we do random topics, like last week we did boxing, this week we're doing cheese. This pretty much sums up this pod, doesn't it? In the sense that you just learn a little bit about a whole bunch of random stuff. Definitely. What what
1: did you know about cheese before this week? Well, I know that I liked it. I know that I loved eating it. Super yummy. I think my favourite cheese is halloumi. Um, Don't know much about that. And... I didn't really know how it's made, or I just know there's loads of varieties, but no idea how or why. So yeah, thought it might make a good topic. How about yourself? What did you know about cheese? I know that I think until about six months ago, I had a cheese
0: sandwich every day of my life, including (laughs) Christmas Day. You know, all my friends will know all Liam ever does is has a cheese sandwich.
1: (laughs) Well, it was a little bit more than that, wasn't it? You always used to have a cheese spread cheese sandwich.
0: Yeah, yeah. I replaced the butter with cheese spread. That's a little special of mine. Yeah, cheese spread, cheese sandwich, or or at the weekend, a baguette just to treat myself. But and it was only ever cheddar. I don't really eat any other cheese. I just know that I like cheese, and by cheese I mean cheddar. um And yeah, genuinely, I had no idea how cheese was made. Um, I didn't. So that was quite. Interesting. If that's the only thing I've learned this week, is I now know how you make cheese. Obviously, I knew it was from milk, but that's I, I wouldn't have been able to make cheese if you challenged me to make it.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And we've got another one of our. This happened a pretty long time ago. Alerts that need to go off, haven't we? Yeah. Well, we, we said it'd be funny if we need to keep some sort of timeline. Like,
0: why is it everything we do started thousands and thousands of years ago? We need to do something that's like current. But yeah, yeah. Alert coming up in the next minute or so. This did start a long blooming time ago, didn't it? Should we get into it? Yeah, come on then. Let's let's uh, let's teach everybody what we found out this week. Let's share some knowledge what we've learned about
1: cheese sounds good so for people that are listening cheese has been around for a flipping long time it's been around for over 7000 years so we're talking like 5000 BC yeah i i read some
0: some places saying 7000 BC or even 8000 BC so i mean yeah we're we're in the in the possibly 10000 years ago
1: so they, they, they reckon that it's been around as long as humans have probably been herding animals and they, they think that's probably where it came from. There was somewhere which around that time, seven, eight thousand years ago, there was somewhere on Earth called the Fertile Crescent, which was a part of the, the world which was sort of between like Iraq and Turkey and sort of that part of the Middle East. Where it just so happened to have conditions where there was loads of grass and sheep and cattle would graze,
0: yeah, and when they had domesticated these animals, they obviously they realized they could milk them, right yes, they, they would milk these animals, but they need a way to transport and you know contain the milk, and what they would use is they they'd use the leak proof stomachs or or other Bladder-like organs that, from the animals, so they were, they, you know, they'd kill, they'd kill them, and then they'd take
1: out their stomach and then fill it up with their milk. That's a bit grim, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but that's so. So people, people speculate that cheese might actually have been first discovered by accident, and that it just came about by them deciding to use the the inside this waterproof lining to hold milk, and it was a, a whole big accident, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, because obviously it couldn't, in the warm summer, The uh, th- there was no refrigeration. And they think there might have been an enzyme in the stomachs of the animals called rennet, which is what you need to make cheese. Nowadays, you know, we've realized that's what happens. And they think that this, this residual enzyme, rennet, in these stomachs basically curdled the milk a little bit, didn't they? Made it into that lumpy bit of milk, which in a minute we will discuss, eventually
1: turns into cheese. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's there's maybe some other speculation that maybe a slightly other part of the world, maybe Asia way that it might have been um, invented by adding some acidic or citrusy fruits to the milk that they had in an attempt to preserve it. And then it, they ended up, it realized it curdled. But the main theory seems to be that, yeah, it was using the the lining of the the stomachs of, of animals that chew grass
0: yeah that's grim, but there are, there is some evidence that I mean even in early Roman texts um they they described how they they would enjoy cheese yeah so you know we know it came it was that far along that long ago at least and you were saying they they've actually found bits of cheese right in in pottery or something
1: yeah, that was it so going back um yeah two thousand two and a half thousand bc that they've managed to find like old clay pots either a from Egyptians that were buried at the time, um, they used to bury them with cheese because it was seen as a meal that they could then take with them along to the afterlife. That they've actually found remnants of cheese in clay pots and stuff. So yeah, they they know it's been around for a flipping long time, and it was at, it was around even before people were able to to write. It was around before you know even the history of writing the things down existed.
0: And then bringing it all the way back. Or I say all the way back, eighteen fifteen, about two hundred years ago in switzerland the first cheese factory was built wasn't it and um, that was when mass production started soon after that scientists discovered how to mass produce this rennet enzyme so that you didn't need to use the stomachs of these animals i guess and um, just about at that point industrial cheese production started going a bit crazy right and that yeah. was it that's, that's yeah that was got to.
1: Yeah, yeah yeah that was that was a super mass production the romans were big fans of it as well weren't they they um they they started doing some of their production and sort of spread it out across most of Europe. But yeah, as you say, it was in Switzerland where it went bonkers and absolutely took off.
0: So it started a long time ago. So I mean, one of the first thing I Googled this week, how is cheese made?
1: And it turns out the method of making cheese hasn't really changed, even though it started 7,000, 8,000 years ago.
0: Yeah, you take some milk don't you um and apparently 20 percent of the flavor of the the cheese comes from the milk but you take some milk you add some starter cultures and these starter cultures start to ferment the lactose and the milk's sugars into la- into lactic acid you add some of this rennet enzymes which helps it to curd uh to cut curdle curd curdle i think Isn't yeah it? It like Curl.
1: coagulates so it's taking, yeah, it from, right. taking it from a liquid to like a, a lumpy moisture like like when you leave cheese like when you leave it out
0: leave milk out and it gets those lumps in but by adding this rennet basically the whole thing just turns into a massive lump of curd and a whole bunch of gooey liquid called whey and then you essentially just take off that curd don't you you work with it a little bit you maybe chop it up some Uh, but that's essentially what turns into the cheese doesn't it
1: yeah, yeah, that's it. So you you then take that curd, you've cut it up, you then maybe stir it and wash it, and then you you strain all the, the whey out of it. So curds are the lumpy bits, whey is the liquid. You push all of the liquid out of it, uh, compress it, and then you end up with the solid, um, which then turns into the cheese. Just
0: so I'm wondering, mate, right? I don't know if this is true. So if, if, we, if we put a glass full of milk and just left out overnight or over a few nights... When it lumpies right, and you got that, it splits essentially, doesn't it? It splits into the two things. Can I turn that into cheese, or is that now going to be unhealthy? I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> is that how it works? I don't know. I don't know. You I give think, it a go. You, you, you add, let us know. I think if you add the rennet, it speeds up the process, so I think it doesn't then go off. I think, um but I don't. We we do have an interview covered up though, don't we? So. Maybe the person we interview will know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: But in, in essence, exactly as you said, it's a really simple process, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you add these cultures to the milk um and these enzymes essentially, and you just you let it um yeah, you let it split and you pull out the lumpy bit. Like you said, you you squeeze it, drain off as much of the way as you want, and then that that bit, the lumpy bit in your hand, or however you scooped out, that's that's your cheese. But <laughs> You can change the flavour though, right, can't you? Because otherwise we're all going to have the same flavour cheese. If we all go do that with with our milk out of our fridge, we're going to end up with the same cheese. So how does the actual, like, where do the flavours come from?
1: Well, so it turns out that I've read a couple of different numbers on this. So it's anywhere between about 1,800 and 2,000 different types of cheese in the world. But they're all made from the, the exact same process. Apart from, you just sort of slightly tweak one of those steps along the way so we've said that you can have yeah you use milk but you don't just always use cow's milk do you or sheep's milk no not at all you know you've got cows
0: goats sheep yaks camels uh water buffalo like (laughs) reindeers horses like you know any of these animals that produce milk you know there's different milks right and then they're gonna taste different
1: and also what they they also do is they then combine some of them so it might not just be a pure cow based milk cheese it might be cow and sheep milk cheese oh wow and then, okay. then that gives you a whole new cheese so what you can do is you can change the cheese at the beginning you can decide how long you leave it in that process once you've squeezed all the the moisture and the, and the whey out of it that's something called aging which we'll come onto yep. in a bit
0: Yep. You can also use different starter cultures or different rennet. Like you put different enzymes and bacterias into the cheese. That will change the way it tastes. Like you're saying, you could take more or less of the whey, the, the watery bit out. You know, if you scoop off your curd and you, you want it to be particularly moist, then maybe you don't squeeze it so much. But yes. that will that will be a different cheese. That will be a soft cheese. And if you, you know, squeeze it, I think you can put it in presses, can't you? I've seen stuff That's like it. that where you, you squish it right down. Yes, you get all the water out you end up with a really dry you know those sorts of crumbly cheeses that's it um yeah, yeah. like
1: and then there's, there's other things Age just, it differently how Tons big you, how big you cut the curd so before you take it out you either cut it into tiny little pieces or you leave it in big old lumps yeah there's, there's yeah because what happens is wh- when you cut the curd
0: more of the whey comes out so that helps with this like releasing moisture. So as you cut it in half like wedge, squidges out and then obviously if you cut it in half again, even more comes out and you know the smaller bits of curd you have, the drier they will be.
1: Yes. And so what what happened was people had this recipe, so it wasn't written down if you think at the time that, that cheese came out before people were able to to write and share recipes. Maybe people slightly misunderstood what the the recipe was or how to make it and they made it slightly differently, left it for longer, cut it slightly differently. <laughs> and then ended up coming up with this new flavor. And one of the groups of people that were really big on coming up and being more precise with making all these exact types of cheeses was monks. Um, so in okay. in Western Europe, when all of the, the Roman Empire had fallen away, you then had the, a load of monks in monasteries and they apparently got very scientific and came up with ways to then reproduce making these particular types of cheeses. Like cheddar, for example, comes from a, a region in England cheddar or town called cheddar
0: yeah my favorite cheese so <laughs> so if we've got we know how to make the cheese and we know how to make the different flavors of cheese but you, you know you just mess around with all these you know all these different ingredients well all these different ingredients about four things to it you just change them and use different amounts of them but is there a way of classifying like the types of cheese because you you know we did wine before and it's essentially red wine and white wine isn't it but um as far as classifying a cheese, one of the main ways, one of the um, the most common methods is to consider its moisture content, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. So typically, you know, it's to do with they sort of talk about the percentage of moisture. So if you've got a very low moisture cheese, so it's, you've, you've squeezed out lots of the way you tend to have a very hard cheese because there's no moisture in it. So that's sort of like your Parmesan. You know, think about a Parmesan. That's a really hard cheese, isn't it? Not very yes. squidgy at all. And then you've got medium moisture, so maybe about forty percent moisture. There's it's called a it, uh, semi-hard, um, which is like a cheddar. If you think about a cheddar, when you know when it's in the fridge, it's not really really hard, but it, it's you know it's, you can squidge it a little bit, but it's quite a hard cheese. Um, then you've got your soft cheese, like a mozzarella or a brie, which has quite a lot of moisture in. It. And then you've got your really really wet, moist, moisty cheese, moisturous cheese, <laughs> um,
1: moistnessness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Moistuous>. <laughs> you're, you're very moist, you're very moist cheese, like a cottage cheese or a cream cheese. You know, think about those. They're very, very wet cheeses. Yes. Um, you know, you haven't taken much of that way out of those at all. They're just, you know, you've taken your curd off and you haven't really squished it. You're just left with like, it's very soft in it from the get go.
1: And also with those ones. So you, you probably eat them, the softer the cheese, you eat them sooner after they've been made, whereas the likes okay. of a Parmesan, you leave a parmesan for about six months and that whole difference in how long you leave it before you eat it is called the aging process
0: yeah which is a bit like wine isn't it when we talked about the wine you know the longer you leave it it will change flavors and and it changes because of these enzymes and these cultures and this bacteria inside the cheese the longer you leave it the more time they've got to get involved haven't they and they you know they 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 just get to work and they just edit how it tastes.
1: Yeah, exactly. So, so with it, you've, you've got different ways that you can, you can age a cheese. There's, there's different um, things that you can pull on, again, other options that, that you can use to try and age it. But it's, it's basically how much moisture it loses. And when it loses moisture, the other enzymes and microbes, they continue working and continue to then create good bacteria which transforms into to lactose, into lactose acid. And then that gives the cheese of different varieties its unmistakable flavors.
0: Yeah, and you, you can age it. It's called ripening. And you can ripen a cheese in two ways. You can ripen it from its surface. So that is that the outside of the cheese ripens before the middle. And you know that's the cheeses where you get when you've got like a, quite a hard outside? Yep. Because you let the bacterias work on the outside of it, these organisms. So they all work around the outside. You end up with a hard outside. Or you can do something called interior ripening which is where you basically you wrap the cheese um and you can even you can wrap it in wax or you don't let any air get to the outside so it ripens from the inside so all the bacteria are working internally and it, it ripens
1: that way yeah yeah exactly exactly and then there's there's other things around that how long you leave it like temperature wise so if you leave it somewhere slightly warmer or somewhere with more humidity than other places it will then end up bringing out different flavors to it the way it works but there's a bit of a weird thing sometimes people when they get into this whole aging process of making of cheese that you see these like blue cheeses and they've actually got mold in them haven't they yeah you put mold in um and it changes
0: the taste but uh, I, so one of the i was like you can't possibly it can't be healthy for you can it, eating mold so i just read um it said something like this right the, the mold inside the cheese is not toxic it doesn't produce toxins so it's not bad for us and that's because of the combination of the acid and the moisture and the temperature and the oxygen within a cheese it, it doesn't lend itself to these molds becoming toxic so we can eat them because they're not gonna make us ill but they have a flavor don't they
1: well and yeah the other thing we like the, the blue cheeses that you get they're their flavor is is really distinctive and really strong. And you probably smell them before you even see them. They 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 stink, don't they? Well, I think they do. They, they actually um they actually uh so
0: all of the bacteria inside that cheese, it it works better. So they use particular cultures, right? They have particular ones to, to make this mold. Yeah. But, but it, it won't kick off until it's got enough oxygen. So what they, they actually go to the cheese, don't they? And they stab it, they stab some air holes through it. Yeah. And then that air, once they allow the air to circulate, the bacteria starts kicking off because it loves it. That's when you get the blue running all the way through the middle because they've put these air holes through it. And quite often you can see, if you look at a piece of blue cheese, you can see, like, oh, that's where the, I don't know what they prod it with,
1: like a stainless steel prod. (laughs) I don't know what it is. (laughs) Some sort of like probe, (laughs) some sort of probe they put into it. But with it being super smelly, is it the smelliest cheese that you can get, blue cheese?
0: No, it is. It is not the smelliest cheese. That was something I decided to have a quick read about. So the smelliest cheese. So I've got a friend called Ellen who teaches French. So I sent her a message to say, could you possibly tell me how to pronounce this cheese? So, Ellen, if you're listening, I apologize for butchering this. She sent it to me. The the smelliest cheese in the world is called a ver boulogne. Sorry, just
1: say (laughs) that again, Liam. I thought you went French then
0: i was french uh, bonjour uh le cheese uh ve boulogne i don't know if that's how you say it v-i-e-u-x boulogne i don't know anyway this cheese has for like over 15 years is undefeated as the world's smelliest cheese and there's a they get loads of scientists they have a 19 strong panel of good smelling people is it oh, i can't read this word olfactory yes
1: yeah, sure, like your ol- olfactory gland is your your nose is your smelling gland so they have anyway good smellings and they they basically get them to smell a bunch of cheeses and this cheese
0: for years and years and years that you know way over 10 years has been the smelliest cheese uh more smellier than the likes are they're all friends i can't read these words e- epoisis and Brie de Meaux and Munster. So they're all smelly cheeses, but
1: but Vaux Boulogne is the smelliest cheese in the world. Do you know, I read about the smell of cheese. The reason why we think that f- smelly feet smell like cheese is because it's actually the same bacteria. How disgusting is that? All right. Yeah. That's pretty grim.
0: <laughs> I don't like that. Um, so that.
1: That's why it smells the same as feet. So
0: I, so I came off of smelly cheeses, and then we ended up both finding this out. So you can tell this one. What's the grimmest cheese in the world? There's a proper proper grim one in there. Yeah. and it's called Kazu Mazu. Do you wanna explain this cheese?
1: So this is off the scale in terms of um, yeah, a bit a bit weird and wonderful because it's actually served with live maggots within the cheese. so it's yep. it's a delicacy. it's it's from Sardinia, which is in Italy. And it's made from sheep's milk. And they've made it for centuries and centuries. And what they do is they make pecorino cheese, which is a bit of a harder cheese. And they, they then leave this cheese. They, they cut the top off it. They then let a cheese fly go in, lay its eggs. They leave it in somewhere warm. And like Italy is normally a bit warmer anyway. They leave it somewhere warm where the eggs then hatch. And then maggots come out of it and they as they start to digest and feed off the larvae, feeds off the, the inside of this cheese and digest it back out. It then turns into a delicacy and makes it a wonderfully tasting cheese, apparently.
0: Yeah, so so just right, just to it's called Kazu Mazu. These maggots eat the cheese that's pretty hard, they they digest it and then it comes out the other end of them.
1: Yeah.
0: Is that excrete it? it? Yeah, yeah. That's now soft. It's like a soft cheese, isn't it? Oh. When you take when you take the top back off this cheese, it's now like it looks like a sort of a bowl full of like a cream cheese. But
1: within this cream cheese is hundreds of maggots wiggling around. Yeah. So and they're, then they they're like the sort of translucent little worms. They're like eight eight millimeters long. So you're getting on for like a centimeter this thing wriggling around and it's it's actually been banned by the european union hasn't it it's illegal now
0: yeah it's illegal yeah you're not allowed to you're not allowed to make it or sell it i don't remember which way around it is but, but you, you can him, you, you can
1: make it. it as long as it's for personal consumption so some scientists believe that though it's possible for those maggots to survive and then go into your stomach and not actually get killed off by your own stomach acid so it then leaves you with like intestinal problems and stuff which is why why it's illegal but there's a massive black market for this cheese. So people in Sardinia still love it. People who go to Sardinia want to try it. And they, in, as of 2019, the black market for it was estimated to be worth about two to three million euros because they were making an estimated 100 tons of this cheese every year. This maggot-ridden, rotten cheese.
0: It's it's horrific, just just. It's so bad. If you do yourself a favour and have a quick Google, Kazumazu, and just it's just the grimmest thing. Just, oh,
1: we'll we'll post we'll good. post about it on Instagram, Twitter, and and Facebook at Two Guys One Topic. We'll we'll give you a picture and just a no, nice just like zoom in, a nice nice little little picture of you to see what the little maggots look yeah. like. And
0: the, the last thing I looked at this week, and having read that, I don't know why anybody would, was whether or not cheese is addictive. Because there is some, some science
1: <laughs> having watched the Kazumazu one there. I was like, who would be addicted? Um, <laughs> well, talking about somebody who's probably eating a cheese sandwich every day of their life, are you addicted?
0: Yeah, well, I might be. So it turns out there's a, a protein in cheese and they're called casein. Casein? Yep. And... When you digest casein, your body breaks it down into something else called casomorphins, or ca- casomorphin. Casomorphin attaches to the dopamine receptors in your brain, which causes your brain to release dopamine. And dopamine is the feeling of pleasure, isn't it? And reward. So yes. the thought process is that as you eat cheese, it links on to dopamine in your brain and it just
1: tells you this is amazing. I want more of it like a drug well they they reckon it that casomorphine well as the title suggests morphine at the end it has like an opium-like effect to it like you get with drugs um some scientists are skeptical saying it might just be fats and salts that were just because you're not getting enough of this morphine based thing but a lot of people need to have cheese um a lot of the time
0: it's thought to be an evolutionary thing, isn't it? This, this production of these casomorphins when you eat milk is thought to come from, like, when you're a baby and, you, you know, you need to latch to your mother and they've got to feed them and stuff, that, that babies become addicted to the milk. Uh, so, yes. you know, it helps us stay alive. At, you know, I don't know how true that is, but...
1: Uh, sort of on the opposite scale, I was reading this week that, that mice aren't actually addicted to cheese and they don't really like it it wouldn't be their their first choice of food but for some reason we all have just grown up thinking that they absolutely love it when really there have been studies and and mice will actively avoid it and go for other things like grains and fruits and other things high in sugar rather than picking cheese so yeah so from one end of the scale we we're addicted but it's a bit of a misnomer about mice
0: yeah okay well that's about sums up what we've done this week, isn't it, as far as cheese? That's just a lovely little, hopefully you've learned a little bit. I think with a load of little nuggets there of um of um, information, you know, we talked about how it's made, the different types, ageing, mold, smelliest, maggot cheese, addictive cheese. Like, I think we've done a good one this week. <laughs> nice. Have you got a two guys, one topic takeaway? I've got a brilliant one this week. We've got a brilliant one. Right. I, I wanted to find out how this came into my head. Why is the term cheese slang for money you know you might you've i've definitely heard this before yeah rappers might talk about it don't they gotta get that cheese gotta get that cheddar that sort of saying i was like how's that got anything to do with cheese and it it turns out in the 80s in america welfare recipients so i guess like you know people who are down on their luck or whatever they would receive a package from the government and the package would contain contain food stuffs including a lump of government cheddar cheese
1: okay yeah
0: so so, but eventually obviously they stopped receiving these packages and start receiving a monetary reward but the fact that they used to get cheese sort of stuck and it was like gotta get that cheese gotta get that cheddar came to mean i've got to get that money from the man if you like and then it sort of stuck so cheddar is is just or cheese has so stuck getting your cheese came to mean receiving money from the government
1: that is brilliant uh, you know I like that
0: therefore, that that's pretty good so that's yeah really so you good. used to get cheese from the government
1: that's super that's interesting great. i'll let you know my one i've got i've got two for you i'm going to do a two for one this week a really really quick one so do you know which country then eats the most cheese no um france no they they i think they do have the most varieties of cheese but the one that eats the most is actually the us <laughs> They eat 6.1 oh, okay. million tonnes of it, which equates to about 24% of the whole world's global consumption wow. of cheese every year. But it's not just
0: that.
1: The, yeah, they love their cheese on pizza and everything, isn't it? But yeah. them, them having cheese, having 6.1 million tonnes of it, is twice as much as the, the second country, which is Germany, which only has 3 million tonnes. So wow. yeah, okay. USA, super into their cheese. And then I thought I'd just throw this one in here craft singles they can't be called cheese because less than 51 percent of it is actually cheese ah oh, so what's the rest of it who knows <laughs> <laughs> but it's like that plasticky burger cheese isn't it yeah yeah think? yeah it's lovely though isn't it also though
0: talking about plastic how much plastic do they waste because everyone's wrapped in a single piece of plastic like
1: there's got to be another <laughs> yeah. way of doing that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly but yeah, so so having looked into the, the topic then, Liam, do you think you could hold a five-minute conversation about it? Most certainly, because the first thing
0: I talk about is mold cheese, Kazumazu. Second thing I talk about is how it's actually made and that it came from people leaving milk inside a sheep's stomach and it accidentally curdling.
1: So uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, what about yourself? Same here, yeah. I, I think I like most about how it is speculated, how it was um discovered and yeah using that waterproof sack of a an animal stomach which then turned it into into cheese nice
0: well if you've enjoyed today's pod let us know that'd be great um hit us up on the on the um socials at two guys one topic twitter instagram or facebook send us a message if you've got any thoughts or any topics you might like us to cover that'd be amazing otherwise thank you very much and we will see you next week
1: Get out there and share some knowledge.